Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we investigate the things you're too proud to admit you know nothing about. Although other schools are cancelled right now, we're pleased to report that we are still running as normal as we go under the government radar due to our clandestine and frankly illegal setup. I'm your hostwoman and pro-paperwork manipulator, Hannah Varrell. With me is twice-convicted dinner lady, Alexandra Haddo. I've kept my links with the school canteen black market if anyone wants some weapons-grade roly-poly and custard, Hannah. And sexually active milk monitor, Caroline O'Donoghue. Milk, milk, lemonade, round the corner fudge is made. <laughs> Today we're learning about why songs can't end and how hamsters became the tiny tyrants we can't get enough of. We'll also have a smart lesson to help you through the self-isolation period. Let's begin! So this week, Caroline, you're learning about something that Richard Gere has a pretty foul history with, aren't you? You mean trying to blur the line artistically between high camp and high drama? No, I mean hamsters. Hamsters, yes! Uh, <laughs> so much to discuss there with Richard Gere and, and small rodents. Um, do, have you guys heard that rumour? No, I, don't, I have no idea what this joke is. Oh, yeah, wow. I thought it was gerbils, or is it just any small sort of mouse-like Oh, I think it, maybe it is gerbils. But basically, um, years ago when Richard Gere was first like breaking through with Pretty Woman, <laughs> um, <laughs> there was like some kind of some Hollywood prankster who decided to um, cram all of the pre- the PR's um, airwaves by sending them facts after facts of this press release that looked really official, but was about how Richard Gere uh, needed a gerbilectomy because he stuck a gerbil up his asshole oh, and had to yeah. get it removed. <laughs> That is a true story. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like bats, gerbils. This is hamsters. I'm doing hamsters, but do you know what? To to me, like, and this is probably not very nice or fair, but to me, there is like all kind of the same thing because essentially there are yeah, only they two. Are. They are. Yeah. Some of them have wings. Some of them don't. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I, like anything that's like small and rodenty and in a cage, in my view, is like more or less the same thing. Yeah. They're they're animals that you would classify as creatures. Yeah, so for me, like, it's, there are two kinds of acceptable pet. There is cat and there is dog. And anything, (laughs) anything bigger than those things is livestock, like a horse. And anything smaller than those things, like a fish or a bird, it's like interior design. Do you know what I mean? It's not really. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
Very true. Well, then there's this whole category C, like hamsters, gerbils, guinea pigs, which I I never had growing up because my mom like hates kind of rodenty things. Did you guys have them at all? I had a hamster called Nibbles, and he was the best thing ever. Classic only, hamster name. I know, quite quite basic, really. Uh, but that was the only pet we ever had. Really? Yeah, and he was great. He tried to escape through the kitchen cabinets one time. Another classic hamster move. That required some dismantling of the cabinets to get him uh, to get him out. So that was fun. The thing about hamsters is that the, considering they're like, you can buy one for like 12 quid any day of the week or whatever. They're very ingenious, mischievous, mysterious and weird animals. And I've learned so much about them. And I'm really excited to tell you because who boy was this a whim that I did not see getting <laughs> as interesting as it did. All right. So like hamsters. So the kind of hamster that we're the most familiar with here would be like uh, the Syrian hamster. Was Nibbles a Syrian hamster? He was. He was a a golden Syrian hamster. Yes. I wasn't allowed them because my dad was like, it's cruel. So we got a cat. I think that, I think your dad, as usual, is absolutely spot on. Yeah. Agreed. Jeff, so wise. So before we had Syrian hamsters, there were Chinese hamsters, um, which are kind of, if you look up pictures of them, they're sort of just like less cute versions of the Syrian hamsters. They're just a bit bit more ratty and you're a bit less likely to fall in love with them. (laughs) um, There's no, I mean, there's no empirical study for what cute things are. Except for yeah. maybe like size of size of like big eyes to size of head ratio generally. Big yeah. cheeks. They used to have big big cheeks. cheeks. Big cheeks. They're just less cute. But the, so the females were kept as pets, but the males had massive, massive balls. What? <laughs> so yeah, the, the the balls on Chinese hamsters were really huge um, to the point where like. <laughs> I I feel like that should be a new saying, you know, like. Oh, you should see the tits on her. They're bigger than a balls on a Chinese hamster. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? Yeah, bigger balls than a Chinese hamster. Absolutely. <laughs> Someone jumping out of a plane. Oh, you don't want to mess with him. He's got bigger balls than a Chinese hamster. <laughs> Honestly, it already feels so natural and fun to say that I think it's going to be a phrase, a famous phrase invented by us. It is. You're so right. So the females were kind of pets. The males had massive balls, so nobody wanted them as pets. So they were used for scientific testing. And um, they turned out to be really useful and like um, just just really good. And they sort of contracted diseases in a, in a way that kind of humans did. So they were great for testing out antibiotics and stuff. Um, and in the, in the 1930s, there was disease going around called Leish. Manasis? I can't pronounce it. Ah, Leishmanasis. Ah, Leishmanasis, which was very frequent in sort of dry areas. It was like sand flies that would burrow underneath your skin and create these horrific sores all Mm. over your bodies. Yeah, it was like a parasitic illness that like, you know, was a concern. And they couldn't get enough Chinese hamsters to test on. They were really, really hard to breed in captivity. And this um, very famous zoologist who was working in Jerusalem called Israel Aroni, um, remember that name, he's going to come up a lot. Um, he he kept trying to get um, shipments of Chinese hamsters in, but he kept, they kept like dying on the way. It was just um, bad, bad news. So he had read in like his zoology books that there was like an alternative, similar kind of creature called the Syrian hamster. They'd been written about like by some early like Victorian explorers, but no one had actually captured one. So Aroni decided he was going to launch the Great Hamster Expedition. <laughs> Sure. You already love this. I can feel like Hannah just like warming up. I don't know why this isn't a feature film already. 
<laughs> I was about to say, where is the film? <laughs> the first Dumb Women film. Yes. Oh, this this is what I think a lot of things that we've done are, are worthy of films. Like the dry cleaning guy, I think is worthy of a film. Oh, yeah. Um. So he like him and a couple of his like lab people. Um. They go to Syria after like a long time. They manage to so it was um, hamsters in their uh, natural habitat. They burrow underground. They sort of found an entire wheat field and they managed to scour over hours and days and days of work to um, burrow underneath this um, wheat field. I don't know how they did it, but they found this nest of a mother hamster and her 11 babies. And they were like, jackpot, fucking yes. And like, they were like, oh my God, it's so amazing. She like, she's made this little nest for them. It's like such an advanced little creature. They're so cute. Like everyone was immediately like, oh my God, look at their huge eyes and so fluffy and they're golden. Lovely. It's like gremlins. Like gremlins. Oh my god, exactly <laughs> like gremlins. Yes. So um so they put they're like, great, we'll just like transport these back to Jerusalem and then we'll start breeding them. So he put the mother and the family in a box, and then immediately, and the quote here is I saw the mother hamster harden her heart and sever with ugly cruelty the head of the pup that approached her the most closely. Oof. Natural mother love led her to kill her dear child. It is better that my infant die than it be the object of an experiment performed on it by a member of the accursed human race. What? The f- <laughs> I feel like this guy had prejudged, like, oh, he yeah. had a failed novel and then it became a hamster hunter. Oh, Alex, absolutely. This guy, Ironi, he like he published this huge like diary of all of his findings, and he's an he's an amazing guy. He like he discovered loads of different kinds of species of things, but like he like was also very into himself as being like the god of small animals, and he's always like ascribing like biblical things to them. It's really weird. Um, so anyway, they were like they, he was like fuck, fuck, fuck. So he separated the mother from the babies, and uh, he's like, okay, we've separated them. We're going to transport them back to the university. Fine. On the way, him and his wife are still, they, they bottle feed the um the little babies who are so young they couldn't even open their eyes yet. They're like, okay, we're getting a hang of this. And then finally he gets back to the University of Jerusalem and he's like, can't wait to show off this new thing I found that nobody's ever seen in person before. Opens the box and they have escaped. No. <laughs> and then John Cleese's character starts a race around the world to find them. <laughs> John Cleese would be good in this. Um, and so he was like, he's like, fuck. And then he like, because obviously now we know every every household, including you, Anna, like has like a story about, oh, they, they chewed through the thing. That's yeah, what hamsters yeah, yeah. do. Well, we would have to save like uh, the cardboard from toilet rolls and stuff to give to the hamster because he loved to yeah. chew on shit like that. They love to chew on shit. But obviously these people didn't know what now every eight-year-old child knows. Mm. And they just kept putting them in more... Like they kept basically this fucking mad like farce of them losing hamsters, uh, putting hamsters back in boxes that they were like, okay, this is a really strong wooden <laughs> box. You could put a hamster <laughs> in a steel box and it would chew through it, I'm sure. Yeah, and they just like literally within this university and they just keep fucking losing them. Like, there's this one bit in, in his diary where he's like... um. He gives like the five remaining hamsters because he's now lost so many <laughs> to like the boss of his like fucking whole university. He's like, "Here's your hamsters, sir," and the ham the the boss immediately like goes home, puts them in a wooden box, puts the box on the floor, and loses all of his hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> and these are like the most important academics of their day. So hamsters were very much the magicians of their time. Yeah. <laughs> the David Blaine of the, <laughs> of the creature world. 
And so eventually they whittle it down to three hamsters. Out of right. the original 11 hamsters, they now have three. And they're like, oh my God, we can't, now we need to make the mate and we can't make the mate. But aren't they all and, siblings? Yeah. Oh. Got a problem? <laughs> Don't they always bite each other's heads off? Yeah, but that, that's the thing. If you um, if you keep them, we know this now. And actually, I spoke with my friend um, Salt Erickson, who is a former Ooh. veterinary nurse and a current sort of collector of like pets. She's got like hundreds of pets. Um, she said that the reason that like pe- most people don't have luck with hamsters is because they actually need much more space to move around mm. than people think they do. They actually can't be in a cage like that. And when when you try and like breed them in like small enclosed spaces, they get really nervous and eat each other. Oh, uh, same, yeah. same, <laughs> same, man, same. Um, so they, he's asked to his, down to his last three hamsters, and then eventually he gets the idea that he's going to take um, the one of the remaining female hamsters, put her in a cage by herself, and then and like put loads and loads and loads of straw over her, and then she burrows. She gets really comfortable, and then a few days later, he like introduces a male one, and like because the male one is like, oh, there's a lady in here, let's go fuck her. Um, then he like has to go run around all these different trails in order to find her. And by the time he gets to her, he's absolutely knackered. Uh, they hump. They have a baby. A baby? Just the, just the one? Well, well, no, definitely more than that. Because within a year, those three hamsters that Aroni had left from his expedition were 150 hamsters. No, that's... Whoa. Yes. Right? So the vast majority of domesticated hamsters are descended from this original batch of 150. What? I know! So weird. And so, like, um, Aroni had this lab partner, um, something Adler, and Adler was working in the university with him. He went back to the UK with some um, hamsters, donated them to a university for, like, scientific purposes. But everywhere that, like, these hamsters get donated people just fall in love with them and bring them home for their kids to play with mm. and they just be- and they just become pets and like so definitely that the, that like the uk hamsters are descended from that original batch of hamsters that's but, so weird as if i know, I know. more about nibbles as ancestors than i do my own <laughs> oh my god you literally do i genuinely do yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also maybe they're like they're all part of the same family maybe they're gonna rise up and take over so, okay, so that's the story of the UK hamsters, but the hamsters from the US is kind of an even more weird story. Um, this brings us to the 1940s. There was this unemployed road worker and he won a hamster in a gamble. Like, nice, yeah. Which, <laughs> a hamble. <first> a <laughs> hamble. First of all, imagine you're like playing cards with your buddies in the 1940s, you know? You're all calling women dames and drinking things and smoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and somebody like runs out of money, like pats their pocket. They're like, oh, oh, geez, Jerry, I'm out. Oh, ha- <laughs> will you take this? And then you pound an animal that no one has ever seen before onto the table. Nice. And it's a hamster. What a That's move. A cool what move, a yeah. move. And so this guy, he, he wins the hamster in a game of cards, presumably. He just says gamble on the Wikipedia page. So I'm just saying it's a game of cards. Um, and then he was like, this is pretty cute. And then he tracked down another hamster somehow. And he bred them from there. And that was in Alabama in the 1940s. And all of their hamsters come from that one incident. Wow. Yeah. Fuck? I love it. Imagine if one of your shags populated the nation. <laughs> <laughs> one can dream, I think. One can dream. Yes, quite. 
it, it, it honestly I didn't really respect hamsters as a pet before this but now I'd like yeah I think they're kind of cool now they're horny guys aren't they you should get one Alex I can't get one because of my um because of my dog but you should get one because they're small and horny I know but I feel like it's cruel to put them in a cage where else are they going to be though I don't know out in the fields that's a good question because like we talked about free willy a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and the whole thing was that like you can't you can't have a killer whale in captivity and then just kind of let it out it won't be okay but I feel like hamsters would be able to cope with that because all they do like they still have the instincts of just like burrow and eat everything and then shout I imagine there's quite a lot of like hamsters that have just um like you know escaped from cages or whatever and they're just in the wild right surely yeah I guess so. That's what I mean. I don't want to buy one because then it creates demand. Yeah, no, I agree. Fair enough. But also, um, they do seem like great lads. They are great lads. And I you know the thing I don't really um love about the kind of rodent pet movement in general is that like, maybe it's just because I'm too needy as a person, but I love my dog because my dog fucking loves me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair. <laughs> Yeah, your hamster isn't like, yeah, you're home. Well, exactly. <laughs> Nibbles would like pay attention to us and like be happy when we were there, but that's also just because we came with food. And I, I don't know if it's any more complicated than that. Yeah. Uh, what about guinea pigs? Have you guys ever had those? No. I've, I've, you know, I've been around them. Sure, I haven't had one myself, <laughs> but um, they're kind of the same for me. But I'd even still rather have a hamster because guinea pigs just like a big old fat hamster, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I find them quite grotesque. To be they honest. are quite grotesque, whereas at least hamsters are like, oh, a little golden mouse. Yeah. Also, what's quite nice about hamsters, um, in a weird way, is that they're, they are quite stupid, so you can't really teach them much, or like we never managed to teach nibbles like anything, I don't think. So at least then you're kind of like, you know, it's not like you're putting a, I don't know, putting something really, really clever in a cage like like those people who have huskies and keep them in the city yeah totally whereas i think i'm very intrigued by rats as pets because they are supposed to be so smart and you can teach them stuff Mm. yeah what can you teach them though you can teach them to help you get rid of all the witches that's true that's true that that is what happens in the witches (laughs) (laughs) i can't remember anything else about the witches a seminal text uh, there's this woman who who runs a rat retirement home on Insta. Well, she runs it in real life, but she takes pictures of it on Instagram. And uh, they just seem really great. They just like sit in her shoulder while she's watching TV and stuff. I think that's quite cool. Yeah, I think that's kind of nice. Yeah, a rat. Yeah. No. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> a rat on your shoulder is not cute. It's a cry for help. Yeah, that, that's absolutely fair, to be honest. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like as well, they are such a famous plague animal that it's like, is now the time to launch rat PR campaign? I don't think. Okay, this is the test. If you went on a date with a guy and he said he had a pet dog, you'd be like, fine. If he said he had a pet cat, you'd be like, fine. If he said he had a pet rat, you'd be like, well, he's going to chop me up. <laughs> yeah. What are, yeah. yeah. Same with women. The same people that love rats as pets and go on about it are the same adults who absolutely love Disney. They're creepy. Yeah. Enjoy your weirdness with your pet rat. Can I ask a question? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this um, guy who initially found the hamsters in Syria, did he do his testing on the hamsters? And do they still do testing on hamsters? Or have they kind of stopped that because they're too cute? <laughs> 
actually. I, I, I do know that most time um testing gets done on white rats now, right? But um mm. yeah, he didn't talk he doesn't his notes don't talk much about the actual um testing he got, bit. He got sidetracked by how adorable they are. <laughs> it, I mean, literally on the Wikipedia page it's like he tended to the colonies with such care and affection and it's like, okay, is this still for science? <laughs> I just find just it like... so weird that he had this he wanted to breed a colony and wasn't at any point like maybe I should introduce a few more genetic strains and have like a couple of different hamsters to breed together rather than all siblings all the time. Yeah, it seemed like he really his um the great hamster expedition they really just gave up on the first. They're like, oh, we found them. It's like, do you not want to stay a bit longer in Syria? Find a few more? Yeah, no. Because it doesn't sound like it took them forever. Yeah, I think a few days. Like, I just don't think they had much stick to I feel like this is the same as like them being too cute to experiment on. Is like, is it, I think it's either the giant turtle or the giant tortoise. I think it's the giant turtle. It was so delicious. Um, to eat that they could never get it back to actually study it or name it because people kept kept eating it <gasps> oh, on the ship. Horrible! Oh my god! So that's it never. So one, I don't. I don't, I think they barely reached the UK because like basically, everyone wow. they found out how delicious they were, and I was like, God, I really want some turtle soup. That's now. the thing. That's all I can think about now is like all these beautiful ancient creatures. God, they must be delicious. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and like, to the extent that there, there's still like r- like recipes for mock turtle soup, like it's so good that people are trying to imitate it even now. Oh my god, I've only just realised that mock turtle soup, mock is like as in it's not turtle. <laughs> I can't I, believe it's not turtle. <laughs> I just thought that was just like a breed of turtle. <laughs> Hilarious turtle soup. Whoops. Yeah, so... The hamsters basically cuted their way out. They're like a fit woman, like getting out of a parking fine, basically. Oh, who me? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. cute hamster, all horny and ready. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically hamsters for you guys. I hope you found it enlightening. I did. Yeah, I really liked that. That was wonderful. Good job. Thank you. Hello? I can hear me. No, no, babe, babe, we're saving that for tomorrow. We have we have chicken tonight. Anna, good Hi, to see Alex. you. Is that, is that what your flat looks like? Oh, I, I did the washing up yesterday. No. Oh, Can no. I'm, you there? I've got a call with the girls. I've got, I'm doing a call. It's the woman who code mixer. I know, I know. The thin one, the one who can't keep her clothes on. Yeah. and sadly we don't have the women who code mixer today i know that isolation is going on a bit longer than we thought Uh, and of course lots of things like uh, comedy gigs and meetings and things like that they're all cropping up on zoom Uh, but sadly we couldn't have a women who code mixer on zoom because women couldn't be taught how to use this very simple application yeah it was quite Um, extraordinary i just opened up the app and then was like my brain imploded i know i'm sorry babe uh it just it's too complex, you know. I mean, it was just a whole, it was a whole thing. So we're going to be trying to be back on track uh, as soon as we can, obviously. Um, I'm on the ASAP homepage and I just, I've just ordered some, some soap. Is that Zoom? Uh, you know what? Yes. I'm Zooming through the checkout via PayPal. <laughs> what an achievement. 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So Hannah, you've got a really interesting subject for today. Section, 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 section. <laughs> <laughs> I do, yeah. Um, I was listening to Bill Withers the other day because uh, Bill Withers died. <laughs> That's not even Bill Withers. It is. Ain't no sunshine. I think. <laughs> Uh, fair play. That that was an exact impression, guys. I <laughs> I am known for my Bill Withers impersonation. It was perfect. He's got bigger balls than the Chinese hamster. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I do know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, and so I was I was in the bath listening to Lovely Day, and Lovely Day has this fade out on it, which I was kind of like, oh, what. I haven't listened to a song that fades out in ages. And it just made me think about like, yeah, songs that fade out at the end rather than having like an actual ending. And why would you do it? Because it just like, to me, it makes a song sound incomplete. Oh, can I guess? Go on. My guess is that um, these songs were done for radio and because the DJ talks over the end of the song anyway, they wanted something that naturally did that so they wouldn't lose any good song time. That is such a good theory. I hadn't even thought of that. I just thought it was a tacky thing and it always makes me laugh when they have to then play the song live. <laughs> yeah, well, that is something to do with it, um, Caroline. Like, it, yeah. it, it did kind of become a thing because of that. But realistically, uh, as someone who did uh, student radio, yes, pretty Ooh. cool. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you have a song and you want to talk over the end of it, you can just fade it out even if it has a real ending. You don't rely on the person who made the song being like, here, DJ, now you can start speaking in front of my song. Like, That's true. You're in control, so you can fade it out whenever you want. Okay. Well, then, fine. Shit on my theory, but don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what what do you guys think about fade outs? Are you a fan, or have you ever thought about it before? No, I think it is it is definitely an old fashioned thing because um, I always laugh when they have, like I say, when they have to play it live because yeah. they usually have to do a solid ending in the live yeah. version, 
which immediately makes them sound like a wedding band because it's like they've done their own flourish. There definitely is that thing, though, of like, certainly when I've written songs before, it's that thing of like, well, I can't think of a satisfying way to end this, so I'm just going to repeat the last two chorus lines like four times. And then, like, yeah, but yeah, get yeah. slightly yeah. softer. You do a kind of manual fade out. It's just quite pathetic. Well, so that's, I was looking into this, and that is how they used to do it. Um, but so the first song, they think, one of the first songs that had a fade out was a symphony uh, by Hayden from the 1700s, where people ah, just had to like, the musicians left the stage one by one. And then there was another one by a guy called Gustav Holst, where he literally stuck a bunch of women in a room, the you know female chorus, uh, and then this is in a live performance, and then shut the door on them slowly so that their voices got quieter and quieter. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> Which I think is kind of amazing. That's um, great. And if you were, and yeah, if you were recording that, you either had to get the musicians to start playing quieter, or you had to just move them away from the thing that was recording, or move the recording thing away, which was like completely impractical. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you wonder how it flourished at all, considering it was quite hard and weird to do. I know, but that's when. So basically, it started to become popular. It became really popular in the fifties. Partly, I guess, I mean, there's new like electronic, um, like sound engineering and stuff. And I guess once you have that kind of equipment, you'd be like, hey, let's end a song. How do we, how do we do it? Like, oh, we have this fun new thing that we can do. We could fade it out. Yeah, like a train. Like, that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. A bit, a bit like in the noughties, how every single pop song had to have a rap verse. It's like, well, everyone's doing it, so I guess we're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that kind of stuff as well, once it starts to become popular, then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Just Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you have to have Ja Rule on this verse, otherwise who knows what will happen, you know? <laughs> there was a part in the mid-noughties where Ja Rule probably didn't sleep for just doing, like, the second chorus a little bit. <laughs> I know, on, like, a woman's songs. song. I reckon it, it was always, like, a pop, uh, like a female pop star song as well. And I reckon it was because, like, he was the only sound guy, like, who they could trust not to touch up the girls. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, professional man comes in, does his verse, leaves again. Nice <laughs> to everyone. A lot of work with a shanty. A lot of work with a shanty. But then he did Fire Festival after he came out of jail, and I oh, think yeah. with a man. Oh, yeah, no, name- hang on. And his real name's Jeffrey Atkins, which is just like the coolest name ever for the Jeffrey. fact that Jeffrey. I like that because Alex, both of our dads are called Jeff. Yeah. So you guys are pairing off again against me. Fine. <laughs> Peter O'Donoghue is a fox as well, you know. He is a fox. His birthday on Friday, actually. Everyone give him a text. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Peter, who uh, my only conversation with me, he said, Are you one of the stupid women? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, and also I have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, um, There's a really good article on Slate about this, which was, do you know when you're thinking of a subject for dumb women and you're like, that's fantastic, that'll be really interesting, and you find an article that just says exactly everything that you want to know, and you're like, that's so good. That's kind of annoying because someone had this exact process and asked all the questions that I would have asked yeah oh yeah it's almost like is there any ground left to tread I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But something that they said that was really interesting was that uh, many early fade outs were added simply because engineers were short on time or there's also a theory that uh, sometimes there might have been a fade out because 
they were recording it kind of as live and at the end someone did something wrong or, or there was like a bad take and they were like for Christ's sake Caroline we're three and a half minutes into that song and then you said fuck instead of something else in the song yeah. um, yeah. and so you'd just be like okay well let's just use the first three minutes and fade it out before the mistake which I quite liked as a theory Cool. But like you said, Alex, you can't replicate a fade out on stage, really, unless you kind of medley it into another song. And then yeah. actually, like loads of musicians these days make most of their money from shows, right? Rather than it's like shows and merch rather than from music sales, because obviously everyone's streaming and Spotify pays yeah. like absolutely minimal income. Um, so maybe that's part of why we don't have so many fade outs anymore. That makes sense. Because people need to play it live because that's where they make their money from. Yeah. And they're kind of creating the music for like for the stage. It's so 70s. I always think of 70s when I think of a fade out. Yeah. Yeah. So in the 50s, it was um, really popular. And out of the top 10 songs in 1985, every single one of them has a fade out. But then from kind of the 90s, it just started getting really, really like unpopular And another theory from Slate was that the decline in popularity of the fade-outs coincided with iPods and when we all had a fast-forward button, like, right at our thumb. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was so interesting. I was like, whoa, that totally makes sense. Because, yeah, if if you get bored of a song, you just skip it. And, like, when is it most likely that you'll get bored of a song? Probably when it's just repeating the chorus at the end to fade out. Uh... yeah oh my god that, that's bringing back such a weird memory for me i remember um first time i was like i drove with my brother-in-law when i was like 15 to dublin which then i think was like a three and a half hour trip and like we were listening to music together and i would like try and skip the next song and he's like no no a real fan listens to the whole song Ooh. and i was like what <laughs> like, i remember being like all right bender and uh <laughs> hello hello alan <laughs> Yeah, you're either a skipper or you're not. Yeah. Or you're a play it 15 times and then get sick of it and never be able to hear it again. I feel like you do that, Alex. I'm both, yeah. I sk- I get on a sort of frenzy if I'm doing a specific playlist or something and I can't listen to the whole thing, but then I absolutely fad on songs. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking, like, like another reason why fade-outs maybe are, are not as bad as I sort of have decided that they are is it kind of it kind of encourages you to keep thinking about the song once it ends because you're sort of like oh so where would we be if it was full volume and you kind of still have maybe the beat in your head so it's kind of going to turn it into more of an earworm maybe because you know when you hear like a certain like just a section of a song and then you'll have that in your head all day oh yeah Yeah. it's like you don't have the closure yes I always get a section of a song in my head. Yeah, so maybe that's part of why um, like a fade-out is kind of... It kind of tends towards the infinite, which is quite Ooh. cool. And that's kind of me paraphrasing the, the final line from this Slate piece, which is... Okay, this is, this is pretty full-on. The fade-out offers us hope in the face of death and a sense of the infinite. Perhaps it's an escape <laughs> from the physical world or a bittersweet yearning for all that can't be known. Wow, that you are correct. That is fairly full on writing. Do you know who I think wrote that? The hamster guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hamster man lives. It's exactly the same prose, isn't it? Very full on about fade outs and hamsters. His two yeah. interests. 
<laughs> I kind of, I don't know, after after doing this research into fade outs, although I was initially like, what a waste of time, how pathetic that you just kind of can't decide how to end your song. I kind of think it's quite nice now and it's quite, um, yeah, it's a bit mysterious. Also like hamsters. Also like hamsters, yeah. So maybe, yeah, I kind of think maybe more songs should do that now. Yeah, I agree. Especially now we all have all the time in the world to be like listening to music and stuff. Yeah, that's true. I want some, if anyone's um, got any good music recommendations, please do tweet us at Pod for me for some new music. Yeah. Oh yeah, all, all I'm listening to at the moment is just like stuff from the 90s. It's I, I need to, yeah, somebody who hasn't gone through the menopause yet, please. Yeah, I've got I've got into a into a worrying habit of only watching Oasis live concerts on YouTube. <laughs> oh, you you always fall back on Oasis when you're in a place of sorrow, aren't you? They're very much your safe place. Do you know what? I, yeah, I do, but I'm not even in a place of sorrow. I'm just like I've always got it on in the background. <laughs> I feel like your main your main hobbies these days are Liam Gallagher and Gary Lineker. They are Gary Lineker. He's recently the other day, so we're together. We're very happy. <laughs> So Caroline, you're a you're a sometime songwriter. Do you have a stance on on fade outs and has has what I said impacted your thoughts at all? I, I I still maintain that it is a good way to sort of like end a song without having too much effort. And what I particularly like is um when you repeat a chorus but you change one of the words to make it seem like the emotional significance has changed. Ah, It's such an easy thing. So it's like, uh, I don't know if the first chorus was like, and that's how we escaped the fire. Then it'll be like, oh, and that's how we got even higher. And it's like, oh, wow, Ah. something has changed. I don't know what it is. And then I'll just keep repeating that line until it seems like, and getting quieter and a more emotionally resonant, I hope. Until yeah. somebody gives me some money. Yes. <laughs> Alex, you've put together this week's smart lesson to help us through this quite frankly strange period of self-isolation, haven't you? Uh, yes, thank you, Caroline. I have. Uh, and I feel very wise and full of knowledge in this time where I haven't left four walls um I've been doing some different things I as a comedian I'm staying in in the evenings and it's very it's very odd uh, I'm trying to embrace it what's it like seeing your own bedroom sober at night <laughs> it's, it's extremely weird I've realized that I've decorated uh in a in a sort of manic fashion I, uh, and I've only just realized that being sober in here at night it's a it's a it's a hall of mirrors uh it's the thing a- about your bedroom is that it looks so beautiful in photographs but i imagine if you're in it too long the colors and uh patterns would make you uh have epilepsy yes yes they do i'm uh, <laughs> i'm i'm high risk <laughs> but it is also a lovely sanctuary and i am available for any interiors commissions because i'm great at it um but no, basically, uh, we've all noticed some trends of people whilst, whilst we've been in self-isolation. Um, all we notice is trends, because all we, all we fucking do is look at each other online now. There's yes. nothing when observing the trends of others. I'm going insane. I'm turning into such a bitch. That is so true, and so am I. The amount of uh, people's statuses and stuff I'm screenshotting is beyond a joke. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, I, and I've really managed to like boil it down to like, not just why am I such a bitch to the kind of bitch that I am. Do you yes, know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, people are very, very self-righteous at the moment, uh, telling each other what not to do and telling each other what to do. And uh, everybody's baking sourdough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sourdough yes. and banana bread. 
banana bread is the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think I think if you haven't baked a sourdough or a banana bread by I think it's April the tenth, uh, then you're going to be arrested. I believe that's the. Uh, that's the good. Good because I'm literally making a banana bread tonight, lads. Actually, weirdly excited. Just in before the deadline. Well done. Oh my god. Yeah. I've taken the piss out of people so much for this, and then I'm going to get some stuff to make it tonight. And I'm never Instagramming it because I don't want people to know that I am one of them. I think that's the thing. I think this this whole virus was instigated by Big Banana. <laughs> it was Banana Farmer. Big Banana. Banana Farmer. <laughs> so good. Um, Big Banana Farmer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. So basically, everyone's trying to better themselves. Everyone's saying, oh, you should learn a new skill. Use this time to learn French. So my smart lesson is, of course, how to unlearn things and lose skills. I applaud um, you, Alex. I think this is a very honourable thing to be doing right now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because let's face it, the more you know, the more you annoy other people, as yeah. me and Caroline have just proved. You know? Oh, yeah. So true. Don't like, ugh, don't self-improve and then try and tell me about it. Disgusting. No, absolutely not. If you do any self-improvement, Keep it to yourself. Mm, if you do, that's why it's self- called self improvement. Yes, exactly. Oh, but if you want to do some some public disprovement, I am here for you. Okay, I want to hear about that. So I've set up. Uh, I've done some bullet points. Uh, I'm hoping to get a book deal out of this. Mm. Um, so because I, I think it's ex- extremely important. Um, you know, because we've all signed up to stuff, haven't we? Like I've signed up to an online archery course, and I'm learning to speak American. Okay, nice. Um, so the two very worthwhile hobbies. Uh, I've signed so up to not play the keyboard that's in the back room. Oh, well done. How's that going? Quite well so far, yeah. Oh, excellent. Caroline? Yeah, I've started learning sign language and I'm talking exclusively to my own vagina with it. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I sort of I, I applaud you whilst hoping that you take my lesson on and make yourself a much worse person. <laughs> and a much worse vagina. Yeah, and remember, guys, uh, don't use your hashtag bread privilege. Um, you have to have dough to make dough. That's what I'm going yeah, with. Yeah, man. Bread takes money and time. Yes, it does. Um, so these are my tips uh, to to unlearn things so that people like you more, which is, as we know, the most important thing in life. Of course. Um, so go on social media as much as possible. I can't express enough how being on Twitter makes you dumber by the second. Um, so that's... <laughs> extremely important i have a good tip for that which is have have one social media site on your laptop and another on your phone at the same time oh excellent hannah thank you i will thank you in the footnotes to my book (laughs) um pick a celebrity you dislike and parrot them for all of their thoughts and opinions and make them your own so i want no nuance i want nothing yeah that is how to make yourself dumber but more likable crucially um Oh, say um, it is what it is at every possible opportunity. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know what? It is what it is. We're all in the same boat, and it is what it is. Uh, it is what it is, a.k.a. the most stupid argument that anyone has ever had. They interviewed a man in the park at the weekend on some news channel, and they were like, why are you out? And he just went, it is what it is. <laughs> my hero. Wow. And I just thought, do you know what? That's like telling someone stop showing off. There's no comeback for it, even though you know they're being horrible and stupid. But you yeah. can't help yourself. Um, so yeah, say that uh, where you can. Oh yeah, uh, so this is a good exercise you can do in like your bullet journal, whatever you're using these days, your um, ammunition diary. Uh, <laughs> so list your top three skills that you currently have mm-hmm. and try to replace the space they've taken up in your brain with something pointless. Um, for example, you can play guitar, 
get very yeah. into Candy Crush. Oh, mm. love because it's some of the same skills. I mean, in that it's it's moving your hands, moving your so. hands exactly. Um, yeah, you know, can you crochet a tablecloth blindfolded? Well, get into wearing blindfolds instead. I like that. Yeah, yeah. pointless, but you are doing something. Um, regularly call other people stupid if they don't hold the same opinion as you. That's a very important one. Any specific um, opinions in mind, or just all of them? Just if they, just if it's not the same as your opinion. Okay, cool. Which is, of course, the one of the celebrity you hate. What if my opinion is it is what it is? Well, Hannah, then the universe implodes because that's <laughs> all three pillars of this new school of thought. Um, and last but not least, um, spend long, long periods of time lying on your bed. Uh, preferably in a towel if you do have one. Oh yeah. Um, and you only sort of reference time passing by making cups of tea. Oh, so you create like a Stonehenge of teacups. Exactly, Helen. Yeah. Yes. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Got that two towel thing going on. Got that like the hair towel, the hair towel which is a bath towel, and yes. then another another bath towel around your waist. Oh, uh, the double bath towel. Yeah, uh, luxury itself. It really is. <laughs> Um, guys, have you got any other any tips to add? Um, to... I, I suppose what you could do is shouting at your neighbours. Um, I had I live in a flat, but I can see people's gardens out of my flat. And oh, someone had a barbecue good. the other day, and I was uh, very tempted to oh. shout at them. So maybe next time I will. Please do, please do. I, I have to say, um, it wasn't a barbecue with guests. It was just annoying me because it was smelly. Uh, uh, what, what what many people seem to be doing, um, and it's actually you know as I've observed over the last decade or so, a, a national British hobby that you're all very proud of, which is just um, begrudgery. Mm, uh, yes, just, yes. just like literally someone will be paying fucking badminton with their nephew on their parents' garden. And people will be like, eh, nice for some having a garden. Fuck you. <laughs> badminton privilege. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, guys, people have some things. Other people have other things. Not everything is just saying the name of the object and then putting the word privilege on the end of it. Oh my god, I was just gonna say it's the it's the like laziest, most boring, and also most transparent thing ever. When someone like sees that somebody else is hanging out in their garden and being like, um, actually you don't even understand the garden privilege that you have. And, and like there's nothing there's nothing more annoying to me than somebody who's insecure who thinks they have a good cause. You know? Yes. <laughs> It's the it's most so true because it's like saying, like, oh, look at the queen flaunting her palace privilege. No, flaunting her palace if she's flaunting it. If she is flaunting it, she's flaunting her palace, not her palace privilege. <laughs> <laughs> like, like so many things, like, like the words woke or whatever. There are all these concepts that began as being like quite helpful ways for us to like understand how different people experience the world differently. And they've yeah. just been like exploded and guardianified to the point where it makes no sense <laughs> at all. And any fucking loser can just like stick a word next to it and like feel smart. And it, it absolutely makes me yeah. mad. <laughs> yeah. Uh so though yeah, please put privilege on the end of everything if you want to be really dumb. <laughs> And unlearn stuff. Love it. I feel like I might lose my people skills by the time this is over as well. So that would be another, oh, yeah. another benefit that uh, when I see you next, both of you, I will just uh, uh, put my eyes to the floor and scurry off. Oh my god! Please, one less string to your bow. Genuine worry though. Like how? Like when the when the corona is off? Like how are we going to say hi to people? Are we yeah. going to hug? Are we going to go back to hugging? Get how to hug for sure. Oh god, I yeah. can't remember what I used to do. Did I just used to flop onto people? I don't know. I think I used to lick people's faces, but um, 
Oh, that has to stop. Slither, slither bonelessly towards them. <laughs> ah, yes. You were a snake in the old world. <laughs> I'm an ancient demon. So that's all for this week. And, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> if you enjoyed listening to this episode, you can hear more by searching School for Dumb Women on your favourite podcast app and following us on the usual social media platforms at Dumb Women Pod. You can also hear us on Soho Radio every other Thursday at 6pm. Thanks to Gavin Day for our artwork, Harry Harris for our jingles, and Soho Radio Studios for helping us with the remote recording. Stay safe and stay dumb. Bye! Good Borg. Good Borg. <laughs>